Welcome to the Photography Opinion Podcast. We discuss all things photo, video, and camera related. I'm Ben Lucas. And I'm Stuart Marlantis. And this is PhotoLog. Hello, podcast listeners. Uh, so I am Ben Lucas. This is Stuart Marlantis on the other end here. And hey today we are following up. If you don't know us by now, uh, I don't know what podcast you've been listening to, honestly. <laughs> it's just us the whole time. That's yeah. Kind of the point of the show. We've been doing this for a year now. You should know who we are. That I mean, that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so this is kind of a part two. So if you missed it last week... Um, last week we recorded this all of four minutes ago uh so last time no behind the uh, scenes knowledge oh, oh no i'm breaking <laughs> the fourth wall so last time uh we talked about natural light versus uh kind of available light if yes. you will um and so this time we are going to set that discussion aside. Just assume that you are in a situation where you need to pick up some lighting gear. And we are going to talk about kind of our favorites, stuff that we use, maybe stuff that we'd like to use. And I have a whole array of toys at, at my fingertips. So when is it that we choose to pick up one item versus another item? So obviously, if you're shooting video, you need video light. But the whole rest of the time, there are just so many options. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Do, you, do you want to kind of start with video light since sure. video is way more limited? Yeah, video is is a lot more limited. Um, you pretty much have, uh, well, nowadays, it's pretty much all LED unless you have very specific needs, which you will already know ahead of time. And you'll probably not be looking to this episode for help. <laughs> you'll probably be using some sort of LED. Um, now there are a few different types, uh, different, um, capabilities. Uh, there's a lot of led panel lights out there that vary, uh, by you can, you know, there's lots of, uh, bicolor, there's monocolor, there's edge lit. Um, there are a bunch of different led panels out there, RGB capable panels. Mm -hmm. That's where you see most of like the inexpensive, um, led lighting and, and actually expensive as well. There's some LED panels that get crazy, that crazy expensive. I um, mean, yeah, you know, like 300 watt LED panels that are thousands of dollars. Um, but uh, that is, I, I will say that although I have moved up the ranks a little bit through different LED panels, um, even the cheap ones are starting to get really good. The thing to look for with um, LED light quality in general, general is the CRI value, which is the color rendering index. Um, and generally, if you get something over 90, that's going to gonna do most of what you need to do uh, as far as I think skin pretty much tones. everything I own comes in, clocks in about 96, 97 yeah. CRI. Um, for those of you at home who haven't heard that before, what it means is how close to advertised is the actual light. Mm -hmm. So if a light says that it's 5600 uh, Kelvin at like, let's say 100 CRI, which doesn't exist by the way, but uh, if it is, that means you are 100% getting exactly 5,600 Kelvin the whole time mm -hmm. versus if you have like, I don't know, like one CRI, that means like, you know what? We don't really try that hard. <laughs> maybe it's 3000, maybe it's 10,000. Who's to say? Um, so a lot of the cheap knockoffs, I think are coming in around the 80% range, yeah. which 
yeah, you're saving some money with those, but they're not good and, because and that sounds good, but there is a huge jump in qual- oh, light yeah. quality between eighty and ninety. You really like the, ninety should be your baseline. You're, you're starting. Like, oh, you're 80, starting that's to get like plenty. No, it's not. Yeah, no, you're starting to get like a green and magenta like mm-hmm. tints when you should be on the blue orange scale. That just it 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 looks bad. Um, I think 94 is probably like the lowest I would go any lower than that. And I'd probably just skip it, but Mm -hmm. that's me. Yeah. Yeah. If you're on a budget, you know, 90 will, will get you started. Um, if you have a little bit more money, something to look, look for is, um, LED lights that have uh, green and magenta shift capability. So this is really cool. Um, you know, there, there isn't really anything that is at a hundred CRI in the LED sphere. I mean, they approach it, but like 97, you know, is about where things like Ari's are 99. Yeah. 99 for Ari lights. Um, but the thing that's really cool with some of these lights, and this is an increasingly available capability is you can get them with, already probably pretty high CRI if you're in this bracket, but then you can adjust the magenta or green shift to dial that in and make it look perfect. So that's something that you might look out for. If you're really color if you're really color sensitive and you have a little bit of a budget to play with, look for a light that has green magenta uh, color shift capability. But yeah, I still really like LED panels. I think they're great. Um, it's a yep. great budget option. They're increasingly really good. I mean, good I stole really your cheap. LED panels because they're awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, um, uh, I've been using these uh, GVM, I believe they're 50, the 50 RS series, which is a nice uh, LED panel that gives you both um, uh, tungsten and daylight LEDs so you can color shift it. Uh, for any of those values you'd want in between. But also, they have a really good uh, setup of quite high-output RGB LEDs, so you get all the RGB goodness. Uh, It's not perfect, but it's pretty reasonably priced, and you can pick up several of them on sale and have a really good setup of both you know, quote-unquote normal video lights, but also some RGB if you need it, which for something like you know, like a uh, gray vinyl backdrop would be sweet. You could throw some of those on it and really make a cool color. Um, So I think LED panels are awesome. Um, Increasingly as well, uh, we're getting LED lights that are uh, uh, LED video lights, you know, mono lights with um, cob or also called cob lights, like a big single LED chip. It, uh, looks it looks like, like a, a strobe, strobe yeah. but it's a constant. Yep. Yeah, it looks like a strobe, but it's a constant light. And um, those are getting very reasonably priced nowadays, even in bicolor. And you're starting to even see bicolor and RGB ones with less output, but um, but really impressive. I mean, you can get a 100 watt for a couple hundred bucks nowadays, which is pretty crazy for something that you can throw all sorts of modifiers on and really have a lot of output and a lot of of usability um so yeah i would take a look at those too uh i have some from gvm there's ones from uh godox increasingly there's aperture ones that are you know kind of the gold standard um there there are all sorts of brands out there that make good ones so i would check those out if you got a little bit of a budget i would i would push you towards aperture uh, uh lights they are really nice but um, yeah, that's where I would go for for uh, video lighting. For the most part, I would stick to if you're lighting a person. You know, three point lighting is the standard for a reason. You want a key, you want a fill, you want a hair light. 
your key, obviously you need pretty high output on um, your fill, potentially a little bit less, although it's nice if you can match them. Aperture really is a good brand of light. Uh, that's actually the brand of light that I have. And I bought mine... When 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 did you help me buy them? Like eight years ago, seven yeah, years ago, something <laughs> really really old. Uh, but they work though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Aperture's great, and they've only gotten better in the meantime. There are all sorts of options. They still tend to be a little bit more expensive, um, but that's totally fine. Well, like, for more how expensive good they are. than like your Chinese knockoff type lights but they're not more expensive like i have some expensive ones yeah those are cheap (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's not like an ari or something um but yeah i I highly recommend aperture stuff um gvm depending on what they make is good uh there's all sorts of stuff even even godox is doing some i mean mostly godox has been in um you know strobes and uh and speed lights but they're starting to do some really compelling constant lighting as well so there are some good good values out there Let's let's shift just a little bit. Um, when would you choose uh, like a monohead style light over a LED panel style light? Um, to me, that's increasingly a question of budget over no, exactly no, no, no. when I would you choose. You own it. both. You yeah. have both sitting on a table. Mm-hmm. When would you want to pick up and put on a light stand the LED one versus when would you want to pick up and put the monolight one on? I would pick up the monolite for uh, any, certainly any key kind of situation, um, any key light. It's just going to have the best uh, output, and it's going to be the most easy to modif- modify. The one major downside to me for panels is that modification is a little janky. They they tend to come with yeah. soft boxes, and but it just doesn't spread it out very much. Like it's you could put a scrim in front of it, you're going to lose a lot of I- out light output. I would really go to a mono light and uh, put a soft box or something on that, or even put a scrim in front of that. Um, That would be a much bigger, better, brighter, uh, softer output um, than a panel. So I'd use a panel more for potentially a fill um, or definitely a hair light or like a, a, like a environmental lighting or like a backdrop light that would be perfect for a panel in a pinch panels can do key okay but i would really go for a model light yeah uh panels um they they also excel if you're being extraordinarily lazy Mm -hmm. (laughs) and you don't want to deal with modifiers if you have a really really small workspace and you have to Mm -hmm. and you have to get the light really really close to you now all of a sudden like inverse square ratio and all that stuff you've got a nice soft light going on um that that you don't have the room the depth to put in a big light modifier um and i think the other thing is there is there is kind of this look of like you see it sometimes in fashion magazines and you see it sometime for like youtubers where you zoom out a little bit and it shows some of the studio Mm -hmm. i i just love i really dig the look of a barn door (laughs) So if you've got an LE panel with a barn door on it, like, oh, those those just look cool. So if you're doing that kind of thing where, like, it's going to be in the shot for any reason, like, that looks cooler than put, like, a Chinese lantern on a monolite type thing. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, there there is something to be said. If you're showing off your studio space... Um the uh the panels can look really cool (laughs) (laughs) yeah 
they look look very very non-traditional in comparison to everything else um but yeah that's that's generally when i pick one up otherwise video three-point lighting google it much better people have talked about it than me um like me straightforward i talked about it (laughs) i literally i literally got paid to make a video on that one yeah Oh, I, I should say really quick before we get out of video lights, don't discount um, smaller LED panels. Like we're talking in general about big ones, you know, one by one, two by two, one by two, that kind of size, which are cool. But um, there are some really neat smaller options as well. Um, the Aperture MC is a particularly notable one that has all sorts of effects, has pretty good output rgb and uh and tunable white values you can actually light some not yourself but you could light like a backdrop pretty well with some rgb um with something like the aperture mc so i would look at some of the smaller ones too uh there's a lot of opportunity there as well if you're on a a budget or on restricted space constraints if you've used the mc at all it it can definitely still in a pinch be a still tool um it makes a really good hair light it makes a really good kind of atmosphere light um if you're shooting like a wedding and you need to like light up an alcove or something you've just got this little thing and you put it in there and then boom mega light and you can't do that with like a big mono head so no that's uh it's 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 a good light i like it a lot yeah. it's expensive i really want i don't like those- that part <laughs> I really want one of those cases with like four of them in it with the wireless. Oh, I want charger. one of the cases with twelve of so, them in it. <laughs> oh yeah, the twelve. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> just uh, instead of getting an LED panel, just buy a twelve pack of MCs and like glue them together. <laughs> so so let, let let's talk for a second about um when you're when you're doing photography, mm. when do you choose like constant light over flash? Um, so I, I know I have a lot more experience with that, so I will answer my own question. (laughs) So, um, one thing that I was, uh, just mentioned with like the MC is if you throw it in that alcove and you've got, um, and you're mixing, I can totally do a key with a flash head and then a fill with a constant and just kind of balance the camera settings and the flash settings to get those both. So you it is not in either or you can mix and match. And in fact, I have, um, I used to use a flashlight, um, in some situations to light, uh, couples, um, just to kind of get like an orange glow because my, my speed light wasn't doing it. And this was, this was way back in the day. Um, when I first started, but, uh, no, so they're like when I go to a wedding, like I'm not lugging a bunch of monoheads and stuff. Like I'm bringing speed lights and I'm bringing really small modifiers that mm-hmm. are for speed lights, whether that's an umbrella or something like the uh, Westcott Rapid Box, which I absolutely love. Um, and then there are times where I want really big lights. So, like, if I'm working in a studio doing kind of like a fashion shoot of yeah, maybe you can get away with doing speed lights, but I have big modifiers that work on my big lights. I don't gen besides umbrellas, I don't really have modifiers that work with all my speed lights. So if I want to use my, you know, 7-foot umbrella or my 8-foot strip bank or whatever, like I'm using a bigger head for that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um I think outdoors the other thing too is and 
when, as soon as you move out of your studio space into the outdoor space, uh, constant light just just fails completely in comparison to flash. Flash is like no contest. Mm, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's so easy to just totally obliterate any constant light. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> in that kind of situation. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Where do, where do we go from here? Well, that's constant versus um, versus uh, momentary. <laughs> I'm searching for a word. Momentary flash, lighting. Um, an instantaneous pop instantaneous. of white light. Um, but uh, but yeah, we should probably run down some stuff. Um, some of the gear, uh, especially that you have and and when you use it, uh, cool. I think probably would would help people out. Let's let's uh, have a clean transition. So, um, let's see. I said, I said, where do we go from here? I think that's, that's kind of funny. If you Mm want to be like, Hey, let's, let's talk about, let's talk about some of the lighting modifier options. Yeah. Yeah. So go for it. Well, I think onward from here, we should talk about some of the modification options we have um, for lights and when we should use them. Of course. Um, so my absolute favorites, uh, are strip banks. And strip banks are very particular. So a strip bank is a very tall, very skinny light. Um, You can put it behind a model horizontally, and it can light, like, their arms and shoulders and hair light and all of that way better than kind of a single pin spot can. Um, You can put it behind them and angle it vertically, um, just, like, behind them and to the side, and then you get that really nice rim light. It's going to be a lot softer wrapping kind of around the edges of, like, their face and muscles than, like, a hard spotlight would. And you're also going to get better coverage if you're doing, like, fitness-type stuff. Going from head down, like, shoulders and abs, all the, like, head to toe, you can get that really nice coverage that with a hard spot you are not getting. Um, I like to make my lighting very subtle, and a bare bulb is not subtle at all. <laughs> That's fair, yeah. So you like uh, so strip banks. Um, but speaking of that, like you mentioned that they're basically just tall, skinny soft boxes. Yeah. Uh, where do you go for a more traditional soft box? So, um, yeah, the your very basic traditional soft box. When I was buying soft boxes, and I'll be completely honest, I only have one size. Uh, because I owned the Pulsy Buff uh, strobe heads, I went to get the Pulsy Buff softboxes, and they had small, medium, large. I'm like, well, the smalls are useless, and the larges are too big to bring with me on location. I'm going to pick up a couple of mediums, and then those are the ones I've used forever. Uh, so I've made some additional things of, like, I have barn doors and snoots, and uh, if you don't know what those are, we'll get to it, um, and beauty dishes, but as it, when it comes to just kind of generic, uh, like, softbox, um, an umbrella, for the most part, is when you want to carpet bomb your entire set with light. Mm-hmm. You use an umbrella. If you're just trying to light someone and not the background, you use a softbox versus an umbrella. Cool. Generally speaking, because the softbox is going to aim and direct that just a little bit better. Um so if I'm if I'm looking to get something really specific on a model and trying to keep the kind of light spill away from my backdrop or my set, um, I'm going to aim for a, a softbox over an umbrella. Um, 
and uh, a normal softbox over a strip bank always a key strip banks are are very small footprint for that really nice light so they make really excellent side and fill and and rim lights they don't make good keys though (laughs) unless you're shooting cars but that's that's another thing for another day (laughs) well um i know of a modifier that i guess everybody should use all the time for everything right the beauty Beauty dish dish. yeah i I was i was just messing with you right (laughs) i was just messing with you and trying to interrupt i didn't actually know you're gonna say beauty dish but the fact (laughs) that you did makes me happy inside yeah so so what's the deal with the beauty dish like is that just something that uh that makes everything look beautiful uh yes that's it that's that no honestly so a beauty dish is an overpriced salad bowl with a hole in it essentially so um and you can add modifiers to your beauty dish to make it less beauty dish-esque I don't know if that's that's a word. Um, so what it is, is it's this giant salad bowl, and you put the bare bulb in it. Except the bare bulb bounces off this metal deflector plate, and that sends all of the light around the dish. So essentially, what it's doing is it is turning your tiny, let's say, one square inch of bare, harsh flash into a two square foot bare hard flash it's 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 kind of this weird thing of like you're still getting the hard punchiness of like a bear bulb but that bear bulb is now the size of your beauty dish which Mm. is like 20 something inches it's ridiculous so um it it just has this kind of quality that no other modifier comes close to. If you want to soften it up just a little bit more, you put a sock on it. Um if you want to make sure that it is just an absolute funnel, you can pop a grid in there so it's just hitting your model and absolutely nothing else. Um a beauty dish is just kind of an amazing tool to make people look great. Uh don't use it for product photography. The reflections it makes are super hella weird. all right very good very good uh you mentioned earlier uh barn doors and snoots Um, oh yeah yeah so uh, so if you have an led uh, so like i do have a barn door system for mm -hmm. my flash um it basically so a barn door allows me to uh one you can actually use the barn doors to kind of block and filter your light so that you're not getting light spill where you don't want it. So it just gives you a little nuance, more control, but it's still a bare bulb light. So it's a bare bulb light that's contained. Mm-hmm. Okay? Um but the other thing that's nice about getting kind of like a barn door rigs that sits in front of your light versus just like your LED panel uh barn doors is that uh, it has another little slot in it that you can use, like, gels or filters. Yeah. So um, if you don't spring for those RGBs, you can buy a really cheap just set of gels, set up barn door, slip a thing in there, and then there you go. You've got a green light now. And barn doors are, are how people make those, like, slashes of really like dramatic light behind people on like a backdrop Mm -hmm. um that's that's how that effect is so so if if you want it to make it look like there's like a window and you have like the shape of a window or like a palm frond because you're supposed to be in california but you're actually shooting in wisconsin because i don't know tax benefits or something like (laughs) (laughs) um so so that kind of thing is actually called a cookie 
mm-hmm. which which you're cutting out the shape of the shadow you want, putting it in front of your light, and you're casting that shadow essentially. Um, so that is another reason that you can get like a barn door with like a filter thing, so that you can use cookies or uh, gobo which means go between is the other other word for it. Um, but when you're specifically trying to make shapes like that, they're cookies. Um, and then cookies, a... gobos, snoots. There's and lots snoots. of uh, fun words here. And snoots. <laughs> uh, no, we are not talking about the time where my dog interrupts the podcast and I got to boop his snoot. Uh, what we are talking about is an attachment to your flash that is a very long sniper barrel looking thing that essentially turns your flash into a flashlight it turns Mm -hmm. it into a very concentrated beam spotlight so you can um have a very direct light so so you could do a snoot on a product if you just need to get just a little bit of light in one particular area uh you could do it just to like put light on just part of a person's eye if you're trying to be you know really fancy and artistic um I've seen, uh, going back to Joe McNally, um, I've seen Joe McNally do one where he added a snoot uh, with a flash just to aim it at a piece of jewelry. So it did not affect his model or his exposure at all, but it made that jewelry just like sparkle with like otherworldly luminescence just by aiming like a snoot flash, just right, very concentrated direct. So, um... Yeah, there's there. I don't use it very often, but I do have one. And when you need it, there is literally nothing else that can get the job done. Very cool. Very cool. So, um, let's see. We're we got a few more things to uh, talk about. One we we've mentioned a little bit already, which is a scrim. I'm not sure if we explicitly talked about what that is yet. Um, but uh, that that is just a fancy word for translucent white material basically any any kind of diffusion (laughs) that that uh cuts the light so some scrims are generally just trying to so like really i worked in a studio where their flash powers Mm -hmm. um worked on those really old packs where you basically were on full power or half power depending on where you plugged in the pack and then you could turn it onto half power or full power so you could get basically you could plug it into the half power side of the pack and then put the pack on half power and now you're at a quarter power and then you add a scrim and now you're in eighth power of like that's how you had to do things back in the day um so so yeah scrims can help you cut light they can help you shape light and diffuse light um they're just like uh like we talked about in the natural light episode i use them all the time when i'm doing natural light because the sunlight is a very harsh mistress and uh you need to kind of diffuse that onto your subject a lot um and if you buy a reflector or are using a reflector a you probably have a in scrim one reflector already. specifically yeah. so if you buy a five in one <laughs> reflector and you pull off the actual reflective part the inside part they'll probably call it a diffusion panel mm-hmm. that is a scrim yep. they're the same thing pop-up scrim ready to go um uh, let's see i think i have one kind of final just favorite it is mm-hmm. a luxury item but I like it. <laughs> Hashtag not sponsored. Um, I have said many bad things about Westcott in my time as a photographer. Uh, the internet has hated me for it for a very long time. But this piece of gear I love so much. Okay, so the Westcott Eyelighter, it is just a curved reflective panel. And you're thinking, like, 
there's nothing that special about it. Why is it so expensive? Well, guess what? I've seen the third-party option, and the setup time is, like, like 200 times longer on <laughs> on the knockoff version. That's that's essentially the only difference. I'm like, that's worth it to me. Um, so, no, the eyeliner, it, it is specifically, it's just this curved reflective panel that kind of uh, you put in front of a portrait subject and it specifically makes those special catch lights in the bottom of their eye but it also just lifts all of the shadows kind of underneath their face and it is meant to be a nice fill and it does an excellent glorious job but um i have hacked it a little bit in my cosplay photo booth to act as a key light what whoa well, how how do you turn an eyelighter into a key light then? How does that Thank work? you for asking, Stuart. I was hoping you would. <laughs> uh, no, so I, I um, we talked earlier about doing a horizontal strip light as like a um, mm-hmm. as like a rim light. So what I do is I sandwich my model directly in between that angled uh, strip light and that angled eyelighter, and then so they're getting the rim, and then it's just pouring tons of light into this eyeliner and bouncing all of that back up and it just kind of creates this kind of cool creepy look being being the fill fill key light essentially crazy so. yeah that's that's one thing that uh that we should probably say is although we are giving ways to use each of these different modifiers um you know get creative play around use them incorrectly and see what happens oh, um, sure. you might find a look that you really like so there's a lot of experimentation to be had here. There, there is. There really is. Um, th- you know what? That is a great way to cap off today's episode. Um, leave a comment, or if you're on some podcast platform that doesn't have a comment section, you can email us. The email will be coming up here just in a second. Let us know what is your absolute favorite way to use a light that is not designed for yeah sounds good sounds good i'd like to see some some creative stuff maybe uh maybe uh some listeners can give me good ideas on (laughs) uh, on how to use my lights better in more creative ways i would be so game for that if you have questions or ideas for future episodes you can email us at hello at photo dash op dot show watch us on ben's youtube channel at non-creative as in om nom nom share this with a friend and you can listen to photo op anywhere podcasts are sold or downloaded Cause it's free.